Don't you know it kills? All right, so we have two esteemed F1 guests, F1 fans over here. We have Azad and we have Mitsuka. Azad is the Mercedes fan, while Mitsuka is a Red Bull fan. So, Azad, Mitsuka, how have you all been? Azad, uh, just give an introduction about yourselves to our uh, viewers. Uh, hi guys, I'm Azad Fazli. Um, I support Mercedes AMG F1. Um, I schooled at Stafford International School and AIS, Asian International School. And currently, I'm just uh, running my own startup company. And yeah, <laughs> just enjoying right, the season. So for Mitsuka. Hi guys, uh, Mitsuka, that's name. Um, I support Red Bull Racing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm an investment bank by profession. Yeah. This is our second F1 episode. The first F1 episode we had with uh, Talal and Rebecca. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, most of the stuff is a bit more uh, outdated. But this one is brand new. We're recording this on uh, the 7th of August. That's Saturday. And right now, as we speak, uh, it's a break in the F1 season. Uh, so F1 has been growing in popularity. You know, Shavin has been telling me that it's growing in popularity thanks to the cute drivers slash uh, drive to survive. <laughs> so uh, we thought of doing something uh, new for F1, considering its massive fan base right now, especially in Sri Lanka and all around the world as well. Uh, but for this, I'm going to stop talking for a while. But uh, before we head into F1, we have to speak about something really, really uh, crazy that's happening in the sporting world. That's uh, Lionel Messi has announced that he will be leaving Barcelona and uh, looking for newer ground. And the rumors are saying that, or actually the reports are saying that he would end up in PSG uh, for a whopping, I think, uh, 40 million, I think, uh, uh, pounds or something per year so it's crazy the amount he's going to earn but hey uh, yeah that's euros but uh, that's going to be one crazy team with uh with Messi in it you know considering Neymar Mbappe uh Di Maria Sergio Ramos also in the mix of things (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't if if you told that to us last year we wouldn't have believed you but uh Abhishek's trying to hold his tears back uh, as we speak and it's going to be a pretty rough I'm, it's going to be a pretty I'm rough, uh, right? Like, yeah, we, we, we've all gone through that, you know, when our favorite uh, team. None of you all have had Lionel yeah. Messi, okay? It doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. And, and the less, actually, totally the, different. yeah, well, the less said about it, the a better. Totally different scenario. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But uh, anyway, this is yeah, an F1 episode. Let's talk about F1, and I'll be handing the reins over to Shavin, our F1 expert. Shavin. Yeah, uh, thank you, Kang. So I think I could it's fair to say that it's been a rather dramatic uh, 2021 F1 season so far, largely due to the battle between uh, Merck and Red Bull, which we will obviously be covering throughout this episode. But uh, before we get into any of the Merck Red Bull uh, debates, I think there are a few other storylines that we need to look at as well. And uh, to that, I'll hand, I'll hand it over to Abhishek. Why don't you take us through? Uh, of course, um, another team that we need to talk about uh, this season is McLaren. So, we're talking about a team uh, that is actually continuing their good performances from last season where they finished third in the Constructors' Championship. So, um, coming into this season, there were two massive changes for them. Okay, uh, Starting off, of course, with uh, Daniel Ricciardo coming in for Carlos Sainz, a seven-time Grand Prix winner. 
And uh, the other massive news from McLaren was the fact that they have once again partnered with uh, Mercedes as their power unit supplier. So that partnership has been successful with them. They've won the championship in the past. So two big changes for McLaren coming into this season. And uh, looking at the season so far, uh, the biggest talking point of the team has to be Lando Norris. You know, he has had a brilliant season so far. Massive talking point. And, uh, you know, the fact that he has been the most consistent driver outside the top two, uh, Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, and especially the most important thing is that he's in front of uh, Valtteri Bottas and Sergio Perez. Uh, uh, you know, considering the fact that both of them have faster cars than uh, Landon Norris. But, you know, at the start of the season, it would have been fair to, uh, fair to say that there was a question mark on who McLaren's number one driver would be. Because we have, we, are, we know uh, Daniel Ricciardo is a world-class driver. He's had success. But I think Norris has proved throughout the season, at least until now, that he is McLaren's uh, number one. So, Azad, uh, having seen what you have seen, are you surprised? And what's your take on uh, his performances so far in the season? Um, I'm definitely surprised because I thought Ricciardo would be number one um, golden boy of McLaren. Yeah. But um, Norris's uh, consistency at the start of the season has just built such a solid foundation for him for the rest of the season, for him to end up even on top of Bottas and Perez after having a couple of bad races even. Um, his first five races were top-notch. Like he, I think he was the only racer to score points in the first five races of the season. And that uh, just furthermore proves that consistency is very important in this sport more than anything. It's not just about having a fast car or knowing how, how to take the racing lines and setting fast lap time. It's also being consistent with it uh, race after race, weekend in, weekend out. And yeah. um, I feel like if Norris, um, now Bottas has picked up his pace with the recent upgrades, but uh, if Norris manages to get out of his bad luck, he'll be able to give Bottas and Perez also a good fight for third place. Uh, yeah, I think also, I think Norris has said that he, he really enjoys driving uh, the car, the McLaren car. I think he, he had said that uh, he, he would love to stay at McLaren for many more years to come. But... Uh, we are going to move to the opposite end of the spectrum in that regard to a person who is actually struggling with uh, the car at the moment, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, Mitsuka, I mean, he, he just, it doesn't seem to work for him. Do you think his struggles are just uh, totally based on the car or do you think there's something else uh, that factors through the struggles? I mean, considering the fact that he is a world-class driver, right? Well, my take on McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo is... I think the McLaren, the MC35, is something where you can't really adapt very fast, right? It was built right. around Norris, right? And if you sort of look at Ricardo's style of driving, uh, he's one of those very few drivers who sort of has perfected the late braking style, right? Which is a classical driving right. style, right. right? So I think based on all of this, I don't think Ricardo has had that package to sort of deliver what he's actually capable of doing, what he did at Red Bull. Right at Renault, he didn't have the best package to sort of deliver his style of driving, and I don't think even at McLaren he has sort of adapted yet. Uh, yeah. And I think based on all of this, I would sort of rule Ricardo out yet because I mean, you never know what will happen next season. He's definitely not at that point where you sort of have to look into options and look at new drivers' contracts for McLaren. But I think Ricardo in time will sort of adapt. Uh, 
um, into this MC35. And one thing, guys, I think I think Zach Brown sort of deserves a lot of uh, credit for, for what he's done in the past three years. Yeah. I think he just completely turned around the team. Um, whether it's Norris or Ricardo, I think McLaren is definitely in the cusp of a golden age, I'd say. Hopefully, they right. can bring it back. From that season that Alonso left, I think, which they were horrible, to the turnaround that they made, uh, I mean, getting Norris, it's been, it's been pretty great. I mean, they came third, no, ahead of... Ferrari had a bad season, but still to finish third, I think they've, they've been brilliant. Yeah, sure. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And I think Zach Brown sort of deserves that sort of, yeah. The credit for it, for sure. Yeah. So, since you touched on it, I mean, I can ask you now, like, do you think uh, Ricardo can turn around and catch up to Norris? And uh, also, regardless of whether he does that, do you think McLaren should stick with it looking ahead? Definitely. I think I think McLaren should sort of stick with uh, the last of the late breakers. That's right. what it's called, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I think McLaren should definitely stick with him. Um, a, the experience that he sort of brings in. And I right. think Norris and Ricard is a great combination as opposed to Norris and Gasly or other options out there. Yeah. Okay. I'd stick with Ricardo still. All right, so that's our take on McLaren for this season, Charlie. Back to you. Uh, yeah, another, I would say, another big talking point in uh, F1 this season has been the addition of this new sprint race format. Uh, the sprint race began in Silverstone and it's uh, confirmed to take place in two more races this year. We had a rather interesting uh, sprint race, but uh, to speak to uh, speak to you more about that, Kevin, can we take it from here? Yeah, thanks, Shani. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, sprint racing is a, a, a racing format like like Shavin men- mentioned, a new addition to this uh, the three days that uh, that is there. So on Friday, as you know, it's a practice session. But on Saturday, it's split into two sessions, which is the morning session, which is the qualifying. And then you get the sprint racing, which is a later session. So the sprint racing is sort of like 100 kilometers uh, race. And it and based on your finish in the sprint races, it uh, that so, some points go to your driver's standings. And what is risky about it is that if you crash or something happens to your car in the sprint racing, then you're totally out for Sunday's race. Uh, but Azad, what do you think about sprint racing? Is it here to stay? And what is your personal opinion on sprint racing? Um, I would say sprint racing is, in my opinion, a big yes. But definitely in a cost cap era um, and uh, in these times where each team has to look after the expenses very carefully, it's a bit hectic, I would say. Yeah, but also even though the idea is good and it's interesting for us fans, it's more racing and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. feel like if one, in my opinion, but I feel like to keep it interesting for the fans, they should um, not make sprint race uh, weekend like every race. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. do the normal practice quality race format for like half of the race of the season. Yeah, and uh, also like the crash, uh, the possibility to crash before the race is way higher than just driving around in pre-practice one, pre-practice two, and pre-practice three. Yeah, uh, Mitsuka, anything you would like to add on that? I think Azada sort of covered everything. Um, yeah. In a cost cap era, it might not be the, it might not be 
sort of have to have it throughout the season. But for a selected few amount of racers, um, I think we should definitely go ahead with it. Just to name a few guys, I think Spa, Monza, Silverstone, yeah. um, the final race, Abu Dhabi, I think you should have it. Yeah, yeah and I think that's the, yeah. yeah, and just a general question to both of you. Uh, you all mentioned cost capping, right? There is this new regulation that's coming to make F1 a bit more green. And sprint racing is not uh, a proper mechanism you would want to add to such a scheme. Is it, do you, do you think like it's there to stay? Is it future-proof sprint racing? Especially when you have such a regulation coming in, you know, save the environment, but also, you know, let the cars go room room for a second time on Saturday. Azad? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, um, yeah. Go ahead, Azad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so F1 is definitely a sport that's um, continuously looking to be sustainable, as sustainable as possible. Especially, yeah. I even heard that they are changing their fuel and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Some new type of fuel just to be more sustainable, to almost make it like a zero carbon footprint or something like that. Yeah. So it's definitely a sport that's thinking about the planet and sustainability and stuff like that. But, I mean, I feel like they should have a good balance between that and also maintaining their fan base, you know, because if the sport gets boring, um, then they are not going to make as much income and it's just going to go down. But I think they should just find that perfect balance between sustainability and keeping the races interesting and uh, as such. Yeah, I think my take is also very similar on this. Uh, like Azad mentioned, F1 is all about innovation. It's one of the most innovative sports uh, that that is existing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of sustainability, I think how we should look at it is the fuel that they're going to use. And if I'm not mistaken, from from next year, they're going to use an ethanol-based um, fuel, which sort of reduces the carbon footprint. Yeah, and I think these things coming into play, obviously, the footprint that you leave behind with race is going to reduce. Um, and I think sprint races should definitely be something that has to stay, because at the end of the day, it's all about sort of making the sport more interesting and whatnot for the fans, right? Um, okay. And I think sprint races really sort of the, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, sprint racing has to be there, but like Azad said, it has to be used efficiently but otherwise it's, it's going to be another race you know it's going to be boring the reason why they brought that is to negate that boring factor but if they're going to use it so much so many times then it's just going to become another, just one another race so all right i mean that's that i think covers uh the topic of sprint racing comprehensively back to you hey, guys give me one second i just pause on that give me a second i'll be back sorry all right, guys. So, Merck versus Red Bull. Uh, this episode was centered around Merck versus Red Bull, and we'll get to the topic that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, just to give you a bit of backstory, um, Merck. So, at the start of the season, I think after four races, uh, Merck had won three, or rather, Lewis had won three, and Max had won one. Uh, the real turning point, I think, for Red Bull this season was Monaco, when uh, Verstappen won in Monaco, and then he uh, continued. He won. He's now won six races, and uh, up until uh, up until Silverstone, where he was leading. Was he leading uh, up to Silverstone? Yeah. No? Can I mention? Can I mention? Yeah. Um, so, 
All right, so Merck versus Red Bull. Uh, Merck versus Red Bull is very much what this episode uh, was centered around. So we'll get into it right now. Just to give you guys a bit of a backstory, uh, Merck, after four races, uh, Hamilton had uh, won three and it looked like it was going to be another season of Merck dominance. But I think the real turning point was uh, the win in Monaco for Max. And uh, now Red Bull has won six uh, races after that with Perez winning in Baku. Uh, Hamilton obviously did make a comeback with his uh, win in Silverstone and getting uh, P2 in Hungary. So he does lead the Drivers' Championship now by, uh, is it seven points, I think? Eight so, points. Sorry? Seven points. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. Very yeah, around seven points. He leads uh, Max. Personally, for my, I'm not a Max or a Lewis fan, but I think that it's fair to say that Max Verstappen has had a better season and Red Bull has had a better season than uh, Mercedes. And they are, I would say he's more deserving to be at the top because he's, he's been absolutely brilliant this year. But uh, I'll, I'll start this question. I'll, I'll start this topic off with uh, Azad. Uh, Merck has obviously been the most dominant. Merck has been absolutely dominant in this turbo hybrid era. Do you think that uh, Max and Red Bull have been the biggest challenge to Merck? Uh, since 2014? Yeah, definitely. Um, Red Bull really brought it to Mercedes this time. Um, especially with the upgrades and all that. It was uh, very um, it was very scary uh, to see Red Bull's form, their speed, and also Max's consistency at the start of the season and almost to the middle of the season as well. Still like Silverstone, obviously. And Max, I would... Max is also on top of having such a great car. Max is also a very skilled driver to be so young. And he's proven himself even with a less faster car before earlier. He was, I think he's the youngest to ever win a Grand Prix. Um, so, yeah, Max definitely has the skills. And he also has a good car now, finally, like Red Bull. Um, got their stuff together and gave Max a package that could win him a championship. But... Um, yeah, definitely. Easily, Red Bull uh, have brought the competition to Merck and it's going to be um, an interesting season to watch after the summer break. Uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, I guess Azad Stone sort of expressed how scary Red Bull is. Uh, and I think it's nice, no? Must be nice, no? But yeah, I think like I always say, everybody's a gangster until you see uh, Max Verstappen in your rear mirror. But regardless, I think it's really nice to see sort of Red Bull sort of going back to their uh, goals and need and sort of coming up with the best packages, the best car. Um, it's actually nice to see that. And let's see. I don't know if the season's just done halfway only. Um, there's 12 more race to go, right? So you never know. Yeah. Uh, since you brought it up, Mitsuka, I think in Silverstone, everyone's gangster until you see Lewis Hamilton in your rearview mirror because you'll go crashing into the barriers. That's a joke, Alan. I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Silverstone, the rear, the rear, the rear contribution on Silverstone is the gangster podcast because uh, Shavin and I actually had a conversation just before that and we were talking about how Red Bull just can't blow it unless Max Verstappen crashes his car. Or we had a conversation about cars crashing and exactly what happened at Silverstone. So, yeah. Before Silverstone, I told Abhishek there is no way Red Bull yeah. can mess this up unless there is like DNFs. 
And yeah. then, uh, I mean, the Hungarian Silvestre followed. So, uh, but let's talk about cops a bit. Cops is an incident, I think, which has been massively debated uh, over the last month or so. Uh, I'll, I'll let Azad start off. Uh, you can just briefly explain to me what you think about cops. Uh, Kavinka, maybe you can put in a picture later on for the fans to see what, what exactly the incident was. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so COPS was definitely a very controversial uh, incident. Very controversial. Um, so many opinions, so many analyzations from different experts. <clears throat> but my take on it would be that not only as a Hamilton fan, but after watching about, I think, close to 10 um, different analysis uh, and, and analysts um, uh, videos uh, that it is most people do say that it is a racing, racing incident because I think I watched Jolion Palmer's um, analysis and he says Lewis was alongside or wheel to wheel more than five times easily. He says that. And if you watch the analysis on Max's uh, onboard camera, it clearly shows that. Um, Lewis's front wing was showing next to Max's tire. And the rule stated in black and white, like Toto Wolf said, was that if the car um, on the inside front axle was passing the midway point of the car on the outside, that means it's basically Lewis's corner in that situation. And if you uh, watch the post-race show, you would see that um, I think last year, Albon um, overtook Raika Kimi, I think, on the outside. And that was what Max was supposed to do except on Max's onboard, you could see him turning in and then he hesitates for the first time and then second time he turns in and then he goes straight, all guns blazing into Lewis and 51G into the wall. Um, but yeah, and also uh, some Red Bull fans and Red Bull as well have said that um, the penalty wasn't sufficient enough, but um, the FIS towards rejected uh, Red Bull's appeal because uh, you can only appeal if you have found something about the incident after the race, which wasn't already stated or like gone through or uh, even analyzed, but uh, that was rejected. And also FIS towards you know, the best, like they analyze every single thing, uh, track position, tire position, all of that. And they come to a conclusion and obviously as fans, we are gonna, uh, we are gonna like debate about it. And at the end of the day, Lewis served the 10-second penalty and he ended up winning. And it was straight up hammer time. That's it. So, yeah. So, so Azad, just to uh, the people who are watching this and don't know what the cops incident is, uh, could you just briefly explain, probably like 10-15 seconds explanation on what cops is? Oh, yeah. So, cops is one of the fastest uh, corners of the championship. Uh, it's a high-speed corner and I mean, that whole track is high speed, but Cops is one of the fastest corners of the championship. And basically, Max was going, uh, Max was Max defended uh, the inside line. He moved on to the middle of the track while Lewis was gaining on him. And yeah. Lewis, in the sprint race, Lewis uh, took the outside. And that was a big, big mistake by Lewis because Max is good at defending on the inside. Yeah. And this time, this time, Max did not see Lewis's dummy coming. So Lewis dummy to the outside. And he straight up went to the inside, almost alongside the wall. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, and then Max saw Lewis on the inside, and 
then the rest was just what I explained. Um, Louis, uh, <laughs> Louis, obviously, I'm not saying Louis had no yeah. problem. Louis understood. Uh, Louis didn't hug the apex as much as he should, but also Max uh, didn't take the racing line uh, as well. So I would not say it's Max's fault completely, but it's not Louis's fault completely as well. That's why I say it's a racing incident, and I'll always stick by that. I think Mitsuka is itching to say something, but Azad said so. Mitsuka, why don't you? <laughs> I think I get into it. I think what Azad needs is to sort of get visit vision cam for all of this, right? But I think, but I think just to establish it, it was definitely a racing incident, like Azad mentioned. Uh, but there are certain corners in this championship where you just don't, where you have sort of ethics and where you sort of where you where you're a bit more vigilant, right? One corner is cops, another corner is Uruk. Especially these high-speed corners, there are different racing lines to take, right? Uh, my take is Archer, I think it was Hamilton's fault, and that's what the stewards even sort of gave away in that report, right? It was Hamilton's fault, and that is why he was awarded a penalty point. That is why he was awarded a um, penalty of this as well. Uh, my view is such that I think I think Hamilton definitely had space in that inside line in, 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 when he was reaching that apex. He had space in the inside, and clearly Max's race it was Max's racing line. And uh, based on those two judgments, I think it's Hamilton's fault. And yeah, at the end of the day, it was a racing incident, and that is what this is what racing is, right? At the end of the day, these things happen, I guess. Uh, but like Max mentioned in his post, uh, he keep me moving forward. Yeah. Firstly, I want to thank both of you guys for keeping it uh, very civil this conversation. Oh, PG thirty, uh, much different way. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just I just want to add what I think. I I agree with both of you guys. Firstly, I want to thank Azad for the whole technical explanation of it, and I agree with both of you guys. I think it's it was a racing incident, and Max is a hyper aggressive driver, right? So he's obviously not going to give anyone any space. And I think the Alonso, obviously, it's two different races, but the Alonso uh, when Luis is battling with Alonso, it was a bit more. There was a bit more respect between the two than I would say that incident. And but one thing I can say is I think the Red Bull team blew it way out of proportion, like appealing appeal after appeal, and like, oh my god, it's been tough for about two weeks. But uh, I I mean it's understandable, I guess, because they want to do as much as they can to win uh, to win the drivers' championship. Um, but to add on that, I just think any team would sort of, if, if they were in that position, uh, I think True. any team would sort of take those steps. Uh, but yeah, they built they just made a big deal out of it. And yeah, yeah, had had ramifications, I guess. Especially I one sort of mimic in that corner was just, I don't know, how <laughs> feel about that. Yeah. Well, honestly, honestly. I and also to go um, to that, um, I would say Red Bull uh, giving Hamilton a lot of um, but how do I put this? The Red Bull basically pointing out that Hamilton was celebrating too much, like as if he won the World Championship and stuff like that. Um, it I think it was clear to everyone that Hamilton didn't know that Max was in hospital. Um, and right after the incident, Max also uh, Hamilton also in the mic asked if Max is okay. And as as much as I would say it's a racing incident, both had a both could have played a part to avoid that big crash sure. and also both played a big part to um, get into that crash as well. 
because obviously it's a very heated thing and it's um, up for grabs. Max's first championship, Lewis's eighth championship. So it's a big deal for both of them. So this is the closest Max has been to a championship. And also this is once in a lifetime opportunity for Lewis uh, to get the eighth and hold the record for the most championships in F1 history. Absolutely. Do you think he'll retire, Azad? If he gets eight, I'm just asking. Or do you think he's going to continue? Um, I don't think so. I don't think he will retire if he gets number eight. Um, I feel like he's just the type of guy who wants to um, prove himself wrong more than anyone else. And uh, I wanted to bring this up also, but I didn't. I was. I thought my answer would be too long because I was already going on about the cops incident. The thing is, I feel like Lewis has so much motivation right now. Because the whole grid is against one guy. Like Vettel told, Vettel said in an interview that he wants Max to win because he doesn't want Shumi's record to be gone. Um, Alonso said the same thing. And obviously Max wants the same thing. But if you think about it, if Vettel was in Hamilton, Hamilton's position, no matter even if Schumacher was his um, inspiration or whatever, he wouldn't care. He would still go for the win. He wouldn't say, I want, I, he wouldn't be like, I'm not going to win this season just because I want Shumi to keep the record. Um, so that just proves that, I mean, the whole grid is against one guy. And it just furthermore proves that um, there's only one king in this era and everyone's against him, but uh, he's just doing his thing and he's on top right now also. Well, like all, I mean, all kings fall, right? <laughs> I, guess, I guess this is the season... <laughs> Very yeah, but that. he is still uh, in so first place. So I don't, I don't think that's that's falling because he's still in first. So that's it's a fair analysis with Seb, but yeah, you can think of it. Yeah, I think my take on Hamilton is just that definitely he's one of the most. He's probably one of those all-time greats. There's no doubt about that, right? Uh, but I think like Hamilton fans sort of portray him, he's not one of those godly figures in F1, right? At the end of the day, uh, Mercedes always, always, always delivered him a good car, right? And that's what we see. Alonso was also one of those great, great drivers, but he always didn't have that best package to sort of deliver, right? Um, and I think in Schumacher's era, we had closer racing as opposed to what Hamilton experienced from 2014 to uh, 2020, where we just saw one exception where Rosberg sort of came and won. Um, that's my take, but I just, I just really think a lot about Hamilton's personality was explained at Silverstone, and I don't think I sort of have the same respect for him after that incident. Yeah. Um, just one more thing I want to add to that. Um, treat him like a god or whatever, but. The thing is, he's proven himself a lot. It's not only, I mean, yes, he does have a good package right now. And even in the past few years, he did have a good package to drive with. But he's a guy who lost out on the championship by one point in his rookie year. And in his second year, he won it. So you can't really say that the guy doesn't have skills because I don't think anyone else has uh, lost out on a championship by one point in his rookie year, in their rookie year. So... Yeah, especially getting used to things at F1, uh, the pressure and all of that. Like, I don't think Norris would have had the potential to win a championship in his first year at F1 or lose out by one point. Uh, same with Max. He uh, didn't uh, lose out by one point to the championship. But Lewis came into F1 
and lost out on the championship just by one point. So, and the next year he ended up winning his first championship. So, I think uh, two big incidents that happened in Formula One this season was obviously the cops incident, cops incident we spoke about and the crash in Hungary. And those incidents obviously have major financial implications and racing implications as well. Uh, Abhishek, why don't you take us through the racing implications of this, uh, these crashes? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Shavin, I think a uh, massive conversation um, following the two crashes is the fact that, uh, so the FIA, um, they have a regulation, engine regulation where for a season, a team can only use three engines, right? So in a case where there's a crash, obviously the engine's going to get damaged and you need to replace. But um, the, the regulation states that if you are going to bring a fourth engine in, uh, you are, there's a penalty for it. So the penalty is the fact that um, on the grid, you lose uh, 10 positions. So, for example, uh, in, the qualifier, in the qualifiers, if you come in second, uh, because of the penalty, um, you lose 10 places. So, you uh, start the race at 12. So, I mean, obviously, there is a technical side to it, but if you look at the crashes that happened in Silverstone and Hungary, it was not really the driver's fault, right? But uh, the teams had to go take this. It's a, it's a massive penalty, right? 10 positions means a it's in, in a race, it means so much. So it seems like it's not fair. Um, guys, I mean, I think uh, you can speak about it freely. Uh, Sorry with uh, Mitsuka, what do you think? Well, I think definitely uh, these grid place penalties should be re-looked at. Yeah. Um, A, based on the fact that if that it's the, the racing incident or the crash, uh, if, it's not the, if it's not that specific driver's fault, then definitely... Uh, it's extremely unfair to sort of get a grid place penalty based on that, right? Um, yeah. So I think this rule that exists right now, especially in this cost cap era, right, uh, it should be definitely looked at. Um, I don't think it's just to make the other team pay for it, uh, but maybe that rule should have an exclusion clause where in special incidents like this, um, you sort of allow that team to replace that engine unit. Because if I'm not mistaken, uh, certain parts of the engine, for example, like the combustion engine can be replaced thrice and the MGU unit can be replaced twice if I'm not mistaken. And right. basically with big crashes like this, uh, there'd be various implications. Um, and I guess there should be an exclusion clause. Yeah. Can I ask, I mean, what if I can answer? Like, I, it's because for me, I'm not following your fun much. I mean, I think I started following fun only after our first episode, but like looking at it from like in a casual way, I just watched a few races. I mean, the fact, I mean, this seems like, seems like it's unfair, right? But the fact that the FIA implemented this sort of um, uh, regulation, can you explain the logic, uh, what logic they thought they had with it by chance? Like what, what were they hoping to, uh, what was uh, the logic behind it basically? Yeah, I think the logic behind it is just that they don't want a uh, team to sort of replace their engines and be part of it uh, mid-season okay. throughout, yeah. And they just sort okay. of kept off at a certain point based on that. Um, and they don't want any team to sort of gain an unfair advantage by spending too much on R&D and constantly sort right. of replacing their units. Uh, and that was the logic behind it. But does it mean that it sort of, it's not a one-size-fits-all policy, right? You need, yeah, to sort okay. of, yeah. Yeah, you need to sort of look at special incidents and maybe just cut some slack uh, for teams. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Uh, Asad, anything to add on uh, uh, the regulation? 
um i agree with nitsuka um but the thing is i feel like especially because we are in a cost cap uh, situation right now uh that any repair cost i have two opinions on this whole uh, accident thing uh one is that i feel like any accident special okay any major accidents especially like verstappen silverstone one should not uh, the repair cost should not come out of the budget i feel like major accidents like that which are life threatening should not come out of the yeah. budget and my second opinion would be to introduce a system where say for example if silverstone was max's fault it comes out of red bull's budget or if they uh, introduce a system where they could um, uh, sort of figure out if it was hamilton's fault then mercedes pay for the repair those are the two opinions but i feel like both of them are very far fetched and um, it's just and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that just uh, i mean i'm just asking out of curiosity wouldn't that would, yeah, like a more situation like yeah, they I would mean, be debating like, like us like you know like yeah, oh, who's fault yeah, yeah, is sure. you know, this that um and i don't think they would want that so yeah, sure. it is it is a bit unfair with the cost cap and stuff like that and especially the 12 12 bit uh, penalty sorry the 10 uh, bit place penalty uh, is a bit too harsh as well um but as a f1 fan i mean i don't support the 10 uh, place bit penalty and also yeah. the cost being bared by the budget within the budget itself but as a hamilton fan i'm loving it <laughs> <laughs> but i guess oh, i guess so. mercedes in that that this system you propose as are i guess mercedes owes the pool a lot of money in this case now not once but twice i guess <laughs> I you propose that i think if it's if it's not that that specific drivers fault the opposing team has to pay for it I guess in this case Mercedes owes a lot of money for Red Bull. Something out of 3 million dollars I guess. <laughs> Bro Bottas was half the grid then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's I think it's safe to say that I think judging by uh it's very safe to say that Bottas sort of secured his contract for next year. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't think <laughs> Plays at at this point, I don't think Toto will sort of look at Russell. I mean, since okay. you're on that topic, uh, yeah. Azad, you you can answer this. Um, I think kind of a hot topic these days. Who's gonna who's gonna take that seat at Merck uh, with Lewis? Is it gonna be is it gonna be George Russell? A lot of people are calling for Russell. Uh, or or is it gonna be Valtteri or even? Uh, Jack Aitken, Nick DeVries, they've been spoke, spoken about as well. Uh, what do you? What is your opinion on it? I think the competition for the second seat is definitely between Russell and Valtteri. Uh, I don't think anyone else is even in the question, even though they they are maybe speculation. But realistically, I feel like it's just both of them fighting for that seat. But in my opinion, I would say at least for next year, um, I feel like Valtteri is going to get an ex- extension. because of the chemistry they are going at right now um both hamilton and bottas uh, with this whole red bull bringing uh, upgrades and stuff like that they have gotten strong as a team and um they are you can see clearly evidently like after races they are celebrating together much more um 
with much more passion and stuff like that. And uh, it's made their relationship better. And even um, Hamilton has said they are probably one of the best duos uh, in the history of the uh, sport. Um, so I feel like for next year, I yeah, for this for the I feel like Bottas will get uh, extension, and Russell is definitely after Bottas. Uh, yeah, definitely. But it will definitely be interesting to see who uh, gets. Looks like Bottas will uh, keep his seat for next year. But looking at Red Bull or Red Bulls, I would say second team. Um, Red Bull got Yuki Tsunoda in with Pierre Gasly this season. I personally, I think Gasly has had a really underrated season. He's been brilliant uh, ever since he got back into that uh, Alpha Tauri car. But I would say Tsunoda has had a below par season. And it's kind of questionable if he deserves to be driving that car over someone like Alex Albon. I think, guys, um, Tsunoda has a lot to prove, right? Uh, he was extremely lucky to sort of get a seat in Formula 1, especially because from that generation, that, that not from the generation, from that year, drivers like Callum lot couldn't get a seat in Formula 1. And he was exceptional throughout in Formula 2, right? Um, and I don't think at this point, judging based on the performance he's sort of displayed so far, I don't think he deserves a seat above Alex Albon, right? Um, but you never know. Sunoda has a lot to prove and maybe towards the latter half of the season, he'll sort of really prove himself, especially because you're getting a lot of cases tracks ahead, right? Spa, Monza, you never know what, what he can do in those tracks. So, it would be interesting to look at and I think Red Bull and Alfa Tauri can sort of make a holistic decision at the end of the season and then we look at things judged based on his poor entire performance. But I definitely see a lot of talent in Sunoda. Uh, but at the end of the day, F1 is a very crowded space. You need to make sure that the best driver has that seat. Absolutely. And I think Red Bull is a team which is abundant with driving talent. Like they constantly have drivers coming in. So I think if Sonora doesn't like kind of pick it up towards this season, his uh, seat could be at risk. Uh, Azad, Mitsuka, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, you know, uh, y'all were considerate about the time. I mean, I should give it to y'all. Uh, that too. And I should say your your answers were very concise, pretty concise. And we hope to have you again, Azad Mitsuga. Any last uh, words before we head out? Just two words, man. Charge on. <laughs> Azad? Same two words. Hammer time. <laughs> All right. There you, there you have it. Uh, the, the, the season resumes... Uh, in the last week of August. And until then, you know, uh, enjoy this break because it's going to be yet another crazy uh, half of the season to go. Uh, but yeah, uh, we hope that everything is fine un, uh, uh, until we see you again. Uh, if you haven't checked out our tennis episode, do check it out. And yeah, until then, I hope everything is sorted uh, with everyone else. You know, take care. And uh, you know, it's, it's really dangerous out there speaking as of today as of saturday yeah just hope everything uh, everything is okay with everyone and also messi's contract situation at psg and until then we uh, bid you farewell take care and 